Vincent Werbos, Derby. So we relaunched St. Werbergs just over 18 months ago. This was a, a church that had been sold off for 30 years. It had been a derelict building. It had been a Chinese restaurant. It had been a shopping arcade. If you've been in Derby for a while, you m- might remember those things. And um, September 2017, we reopened uh, as a church with a vision to build an authentic community which is Christ-centered that plays our part in transforming the city and beyond. And ultimately what that means is we're Jesus people. We put Jesus at the center of our lives. That as we gather and form community and get to know one another and build friendships, that it is Jesus that centers us together. And we believe it is Jesus who then transforms our lives. And as he transforms us, he changes our city. And so we've been trying to do that for the last 18 months or so, and you've heard testimony tonight from people, their stories of those lives that are being transformed. But if you're new here this evening, you've come on a really great day. A, it's baptisms, because it is always fun. But it just helps us to understand a little bit more about what we're doing. Why do we pray? Well, we pray because we're Jesus people and we believe that he answers and hears our prayers. Why are we singing? Well, we sing because we love Jesus and we think life is all about him. And so we're going to give him worship, give him worth by singing these songs to him. And what we're going to do now for the next few moments is we're going to read the Bible together. Because we believe that this book has power to transform our lives in it. The life and the words of Jesus This love story written to us as we understand more about who God is and still speaks to us today. And so we as a church have been journeying through uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul was a Jewish rabbi. He uh, was going around persecuting, even signing off on the deaths of Christians because he wanted the the people who followed Christ to be wiped off, wiped out of the planet. And yet Paul suddenly had this incredible moment where he himself met Jesus and his whole life was changed. So Paul then started going around the kind of the Middle East, that area, and kind of telling people about Jesus and starting churches like this, planting churches and and letting them go and building them up. and, And he planted one in Philippi. Then, because he was doing that, people weren't happy, and so he ended up in prison in Rome. And this letter, we believe, is written from prison in Rome to this young church. And so we've been tracking through this letter because we believe, as a young church, that it still speaks to us today. So we're going to read from Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, uh, it's chapter 4. If not, it will come up on the screens behind me. Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yudoa and I plead with... Okay, I'm going to pronounce it Sintichi. That may be hideously wrong, but it's the best I can do. To be of the same mind in the Lord... Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Sends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the peace of God will be with you. I um, am fortunate enough to have three children. Um, uh, Three girls, aged 12, 9 and 6, which means that I am completely and utterly outnumbered in my house. Um, The thing that stresses me out the most is hair. For obvious reasons. Um, but for those of you who uh, have kids, you'll, you'll know that there's a, there's a bedtime routine, isn't there? And because our three kids are kind of three years apart, they, they all go to bed at different times. So we have a 7.30, an 8.30, and a 9.30. And um, because we're good parents, or at least we think we are, we try to remove the screens from them in good time so that they're not on the screens too late at night. And so most evenings, no, every evening, it goes like this. Upstairs, take the screen off child number one, come back downstairs, leave her reading a book, go back upstairs, try to read with her, um, come back downstairs to get her a glass of water, go back upstairs to do toilet, teeth, prayers, bed. Go back downstairs. Then you go up again. Next child, take the screen off them, go back down. You know, it, it just goes on and on. And you spend the whole night going up and down, up and down, up and down, just so I can get my Fitbit numbers up. <laughs> and um, my middle daughter, every night, we go through the same routine. And as we finish everything that we've done, I give her a kiss on the head. I'm walking out the door. I'm thinking, I'm done, brilliant. I'm about to go get my dinner or whatever it is. She says, what shall I think about? Now, normally by this point of the evening, I am stressed, hungry, and tired. So um, I normally snap back with a, think about this, and kind of run away. And it, she'll say, no, give me something else to think about. She wants something nice. She wants to fill her head with nice thoughts that help her fall asleep. And so we go through all sorts of different things, and we normally end up with either holidays, presents, or sweets. Because in her world, that's what she loves. She wants those things to be the things that she thinks about as she falls asleep. Now, as adults, we've probably got the wrong way around. Certainly for me, what I want to do when I go to sleep isn't think about anything. If my brain is still whirling away as I fall asleep, I'm going to be up all night. I'll maybe fall asleep and then wake up a couple of hours later and something will be triggering around in my head. I don't want to be thinking about anything. And we start to get anxious or worried about things like health, work, 
deadlines, relationships, health, loved ones. There are so many things that keep us awake at night. I cannot be the only one who's awake. So many different things that pile through our head. And then, and then as a nation, we have Brexit. I read an article uh, this week on the BBC News website, and it was titled this, Brexit Anxiety. It is keeping me awake at night. And it was a whole article about the stress that we as a nation are now going through. As if we haven't already got enough of other things, suddenly the Brexit anxiety, whether you're a leaver or a remainer, whatever your feelings are, the, the, the mess, let's be honest, the mess that we are in has caused us problems. There's a Tory MP who apparently, through the stress of everything that he's gone through with Brexit, has lost four inches from his waistline. Apparently that's a bad thing. There's a man on the article who had a heart attack, who him and his doctor agreed that it was caused by stress to do with Brexit. There was a lady on there who um, is not sleeping because of the stress to do with Brexit and the effect of her business. And so they ran a survey. They asked people what they thought about the stress of it. And something like uh, 64% of the nation believe that the anxiety to do with Brexit is having a negative mental health effect upon our nation. And 84% of our nation think are fed up with hearing about Brexit on the news. Now, I think that's really low. I think it's probably more like 98, 99% of our nation are fed up with hearing about Brexit. And so the article went on and it asked people, um, it asked a psychiatrist, what's some tips to help us to understand a little bit more about how we can remove ourselves from the Brexit anxiety and stresses and strains? And so this psychiatrist from the Royal College of, Royal College of Psychiatrists said that we need to normalize things and set things up in our heads and in our hearts. She then said, spend time away from the stream of information in a constructed way. Spend time away from the stream of information in a constructed way. Avoid technology at mealtimes, bedtime, and first thing in the morning. Now, um, it sounds like she's trying to say, what should I think about, Dad, as I go to sleep? I don't know about you, but um, for me, and a lot, I'm guessing a lot of people, we, what we're looking at is Twitter or Instagram or something. And on there, that, that does not help people arguing, shouting at each other, getting more and more vicious with each other, differing opinions and ideas and thoughts and comments. And actually, this psychiatrist is saying, you need to stop. And you need to think about something different. It's almost... As though someone who's trained and studied and got herself to the doctor and psychiatrist is saying exactly the same thing as Paul said over 2,000 years ago to the church in Philippi. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I'm of a generation when I hear the word excellent, all I can think about is Bill and Ted. Um, so I apologize if that's where my head goes. But think about those things. Think about things that are true and noble and right and good. We will receive peace. 
The context here that Paul is rising into is this argument between these two ladies with unpronounceable names, Eudea and Sintichi or Sintichi or whatever. These two ladies who are arguing. And this argument has got to Paul in this prison in Rome, and he's understanding that these two people are going at each other. And Paul is saying to them, no, 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 please, please be of one mind. Please listen to each other. He talks about um, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness. When you're on Twitter and Instagram, let your gentleness be evident to all. He goes on to say, do not be anxious. Do not worry about how this argument is going to fold out, but rather pray. Now we know that there's a difference between kind of anxious thoughts that we all suffer from and some people who might suffer with anxiety. And for some that goes into a realm that needs professional medical care and help and support. But we all have anxious thoughts. I was up most of last night worried about the fact that that pool would not be warm or that that pool would split and we would have all of that water all over the church. They were my anxious thoughts. But instead of being anxious, pray is what Paul is telling us to do. The message version of these verses, uh, verses uh, 5, 6 and 7, say this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful. What happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life? Craig was able to stand up here earlier and speak testimony to that. In the midst of, let's face it, one of the worst things that you could go through, Craig received and understood a peace that passed all understanding. That came into his life as he started to pray, to trust God, to give him his concerns and his worries. Albert Einstein once said that there are two ways to live. Either as though everything is not a miracle or as though everything is a miracle. Either we are just some kind of evolved cells, some kind of intelligent animals that have become something that were able to float on a rock, traveling around space, however fast we travel around space in, or, or that actually there's a creator behind creation, or that there's a, a God behind goodness. Two ways to think about life. And there is a creator behind creation and there's a God behind goodness. Connecting with God in prayer is simply the most powerful thing we can ever do in our lives. Trusting him, praying to him, asking him to be present in our situations. Now note, at this point, the text doesn't say, and then all your problems will go. That everything will be healed and no one will be sick and everything will be fine. That's not what the text says. I believe that God can heal. And I believe that God can do miracles and can change our present situations. But actually what the promise to us is, is that we will receive peace as we trust him, as we pray, as we reach out to him.
a peace that we can all know, no matter what stresses, worries, frets, anxieties we are all carrying. That is the promise for every one of us. There's a pastor in the States who says that if you prayed as much as you worry, you'd have nothing to worry about. If you prayed as much as you worry, you'd have nothing to worry about. Bring your prayers, your concerns to him. Because if you want to receive this gift, verse 7 calls it the peace of God. If you want to receive the peace of God that transcends all understanding, then you need to get to know, as verse 9 says, the God of peace. As we start to trust Jesus and place our lives into his hands, we can receive the peace that he wants to give us. And we can trust him because we've seen it and we can read about it. Jesus, who came to earth, who lived amongst us some 2,000 years ago, who was this real man, who went through everything that we go through, from laughter to sorrow to tears to hunger, and yet he suffered. He died our death. He took on all of the wrong that we've done, all the stuff that causes our, a lot of our stress and anxiety and worries, and he died the death. But three days later, death didn't hold him. He rose to life so that resurrection happens. Life, love wins. And in that moment, we can trust him because it's changed everything. And so if you want the peace of God, you get to know the, the God of peace. You step into a relationship with Jesus and you say, I want to know you. Now, the verses that I've missed out, that we've skipped over, verses, verse 4 say this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And today, this is celebration day. This is baptism Sunday. This is, this is the best that it gets for us in church. Now, you might think, oh, okay, well, hang on a minute. Church doesn't really do celebration. From what I've seen of church, it's pretty dull, pretty boring. It does rules and regulations and tells us, me the things that we can't do. Last week, uh, a group of us from church, we went to watch Derby County play football. Uh, we had a great day, and Derby actually won 6-1. Unheard of. Uh, um, but it was an amazing day. And we were sat right down behind the goal, um, and I was right at the very, very front row at the football. And when um, Derby's first goal was a penalty, so I did what everyone does nowadays at the football when it's a penalty. I got my phone out and tried to take a video of it. Failed miserably, and all I got was the guy celebrating rather than the goal going in. But that's my ineptitude. Uh, but the second goal, when the second goal went in, I leapt out of my chair and landed and kind of punched the air because Derby had scored. What a ridiculous thing to do. Let's be honest. It's some bloke who's overpaid, nodding a lump of plastic into the back of a net. And I jumped. Woohoo! I know it's more than that. I know it means a lot more than that. I'm... But in church, we get to celebrate what is eternal. Lives that have been transformed forever. People coming to know Jesus and having their whole lives shaped around him. And so we rejoice with the five people who stood up here this evening and gave their lives. And Well, I've said publicly declared that they've given their lives to Jesus, that they want to follow him. 
This is utterly amazing. We get to celebrate and rejoice because we know, we know the God of peace. He loves us, he's with us, he's for us. And we know as we trust him and seek him and pray to him, he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. And that is why we rejoice. Can I invite you to stand?